the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I'm Tom Muller. This is Colorado Issues, and this is an issue that uh, is not usually regarded as an issue for a public affairs program. It's an issue involving pride. And my guest today is the author of a book, From Pride to Prison. It's a first-person account by Rand Robison. Rand, thank you so much for being with us today. You're certainly welcome. I'm I'm delighted to be with you. I'm delighted to talk and visit with your audience, and I hope out of this conversation comes something that will help at least one listener that could say, hey, that could happen to me, and I'm delighted I either read the book or listened to the interview or both. Mm. Uh, I think we're going to have many who will say that, because uh, pride is, uh, I think, ubiquitous to us all in one form or another, uh, and certainly can be fanned into flames that uh, that can be very destructive. Would you agree with that? I would certainly agree. It can get out of hand, and uh, just we talked about just what happened to one of the people in your most recently occupations, which is Matt Lauer. I I don't know anything other than the circumstance, but something drove those people and drives people to allow themselves to behave differently than they should. And I think it's pride that allows that gives them that edge to feel they can behave that way. Yeah, I think so. Uh, And in fact, I do the news uh, with a morning show host uh, every day here at uh, KNUS. And uh, we, uh, after I do the news, I I hang around for another 20 minutes or so and we converse, kind of like you and I do, uh, are right now. And um, we're talking about these kinds of things about how people blind themselves, really, uh, who get engaged in whatever, whether it's a Matt Lauer thing or whether uh, it's uh, insurance sales, which is your background or whatever, and start engaging in uh, certain activities and pride as it grows. I think it blinds us to things that maybe other people can see and fall back in horror over, and yet we don't see it ourselves. I, that's exactly how I see it. I see also it doesn't start that way. Mm. You don't start out one day saying, hey, I'm going to uh, misbehave. But what you do is you cross a real thin line, and pretty soon the line becomes thicker and wider, and you cross it more. And then you kind of justify that behavior, just thinking, well, nobody notices, and it's my behavior, and it's okay. And pretty soon you insist that that become a way of life. And all that's blinding you is your pride, mm. uh, your, your silly pride. And as you and I said just before we came on the air, I'm in a, a prideful business. I'm in an ego-driven business uh, where uh, our the way we appear to other people 
uh, the way our voice sounds or if you're in TV, the way you look or if you're in the movies, the, the way you look or in the case of Weinstein, if you have power, uh, you become really blinded. Now, you, your background, you were a very successful insurance salesman. Uh, tell us what your story is. My story is this. Uh, I started in a little city in Rexburg, Idaho, uh, selling life insurance door to door. And I worked hard and became successful. And the book talks about my background. And and then in uh, later on, my son, my youngest son, came to work for us, and we grew rapidly. And then my second son came, and we started in the brokerage business as well as service in what's called in the industry orphaned policyholders. And and our business grew fast. And that I liked to be recognized. I liked that our business was growing. And I liked the fact that I was making more money. I liked all that. Mm. And I liked the recognition. And I knew that crossing that line by rebating commissions. Now, people can say, well, how can that be wrong if you rebate a commission? In Idaho, it's illegal or it's against the state statute. It's a misdemeanor. And I knew that. But I thought, well, it's a misdemeanor and everybody is doing it anyway. So everybody else is speeding, so I'll speed too. Mm -hmm. And uh, the we got investigated by the Department of Insurance in Idaho uh, because they we had a disgruntled employee, a whistleblower kind of thing. And mm-hmm. They took it to the feds and to the IRS, and one thing led to another, and it led to our homes and offices being raided. And they thought there was something more there than just rebating. They didn't even think it was rebating because we were doing so well. But at the end of the day, it ended up that what they, what we had broken the law on was rebating commissions. But the story is not necessarily about, well, how could you end up going to prison just because you rebated your commissions? The story is about the process of getting there. Uh, everybody else is doing it. You want to do it better than they are. Uh, even though you know you shouldn't do it. The allowance of that bad behavior in yourself and others went on because of the money and because of the pride and because of you and because you could. Um, someone said in Bill Clinton's book, they asked him why he did that, and he said, "Well, I did it because I could." Mm. I I wonder if we don't allow ourselves to accept bad behavior both in ourselves and our others just because of our pride. Do you think that, Tom? Oh, very much. Uh, Again, getting back to what I had said earlier, pride um, uh, blinds you and uh, and causes you to come up with all sorts of justifications that are phonier and phonier, and yet you seem to believe them more and more. What, what in my case, and what I'm sharing with you, is when you say, oh, I shouldn't have done that, mm. 
the fallout from saying, oh, I shouldn't have done that, is not just you. It wrecks families. Your own pride allows the self-destruction of your family. I mean, think of the sadness that I brought on my family, successful, nice home, recognition, uh, prosperity, and now you're reading about yourself in the paper where a business executive pleads guilty to, uh, so you you can go to prison. Mm. And the distance between being successful at home and all of that, all the way up to thinking, surely they're kidding. It can't be me going to prison. It couldn't be. And the deception in pride is that that will never happen to me. That couldn't be me. I'm I'm too successful. I got too much money. I'm this and that. And besides that, I don't believe that behavior would ever happen to me. I don't do those kinds of things. I'm different. So that's how that's how the pride destroyed us. That's how you get there. Then uh, being full of yourself, being successful, like you say, the recognition, um, uh, and you, you, now, did you, how did you, before you came to a recognition uh, of the fact that you were being engulfed by this thing that could destroy you, what were some of the dawning things? How did it dawn on you um or were there any dawning things along the way that uh, you you just pointed out? If you say, you know, I shouldn't have done that, uh, that would be one of the dawning moments, I think, in your your journey uh, ultimately to prison. But what other dawning things took place in your life before you before you even came to? any full realization uh, of uh, what was engulfing you? Well, the biggest, single biggest shock in our lives was when the IRS and the FBI raided my home and our offices. Mm. I, I actually thought there was some mistake. They, it can't be me. Mm. I mean, they're, they're looking for illegal aliens or... Uh, we have some people from Mexico work for us, and we thought maybe they, they're looking for somebody who is illegal. Mm-hmm. I, I, but I had known that we had rebated a commission, uh, some commissions, but I thought that hardly warrants a, a federal raid. And uh, so the distance then, the reason I wrote that book is when I got into prison, I said to myself, if there's one person that could reach, I could reach out to, and they could say, you know what, that could happen to me. If, if I allow myself one act of bad behavior, if I cross the line, no matter how thin it is, um, I just can't allow myself to, to cross any lines. Mm-hmm. And when I got to prison, I wrote that book because I found myself surrounded. Now, I didn't go to a camp, even though I was there four months. I could have gone to a camp, but I went to a medium security 
prison in uh, San Pedro, California, because it was supposed to be a place because I'd had a heart attack, and it was a place for the medical facility. Well, that's, that's just simply not true. But when you get locked in in that prison, you realize people do get locked in not only into a prison with barbed wire, but they get locked into a prison in their pride, believing that somehow they're better than other people or that money gets them, but the pride gets locked into them and even prisoners uh, can't take a plea. The worst, the most unhappy people in prison were the people that uh, were defiant to the end. They could have copped a plea with the federal government, but they didn't believe they did anything wrong, and so they ended up in prison longer than they would have if they'd have taken a plea and admitted they did something wrong. I'm talking with Rand Robison, who is the author of the book From Pride to Prison, A Cautionary Tale, and uh, we're talking about his, uh, obviously, uh, his journey uh, into prison. Uh, You had said bad behavior. One of the things that strikes me about bad behavior, whatever whatever it may be, uh, you've got to know it's bad. I mean, it seems to me that one of the blurred things in our culture today is uh, people people do bad behavior, and there is such um, uh, such support for bad behavior that they may not know it's bad. Does, does that make any sense at all? That makes more. That makes all the sense in the world to me. Mm-hmm. They, um, you know, here's the paradox: when a person allows bad behavior in themselves and in others, uh, for example, the alcoholic, um, the people who know they should not allow that behavior to go on, but the person who is the alcoholic continues that bad behavior of drinking. Mm -hmm. But we support that bad behavior for various reasons. Oh, they won't like us anymore. They'll hate us. Mm -hmm. They won't come to our house anymore, et cetera. When in reality, um, you got to draw the line and say, no, we don't allow that behavior, period. It's it's cleansing somehow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. Uh, And, of course, that's why they say, you need to be confessing things. Uh, you need to be making restitution. You may, you you may whatever it is. You may uh, you need to you know open the secret compartments of your life and uh, uh, with the help of somebody who is trustworthy and and uh, to to help uh, clean house, so to speak. That's a perfect way to say it. And in the process of of cleaning the house, you've got to learn to. Not only forgive yourself first, but forgive others. Mm-hmm. People bristle up and stiffen their, and they can't admit, for some reason, they just can't admit that they they did it, and they wish they, of course, they wish they had mm-hmm. to. And the process of, for lack of a better word, repentance, the process of stopping the bad behavior, um, and getting better 
what people don't realize when they're doing what they're doing is the people in the lives they're destroying. Yeah. In my own case, my wife, I've been married to her for 50 years. Uh, my oldest, my, my youngest son also spent four months in prison. What happens to a family who's been recognized in the community as leaders and examples and they go to church and all of that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And suddenly uh, someone, my wife's name is Dorothy, say, Dorothy, how's your husband? Oh, he's in prison. Yeah. Well, how's your how's your son? Oh, he's in prison. Mm-hmm. The devastation that that pride brings to a family is overwhelming. If a person could say to himself, uh-uh, I'm not going to cross any of those lines because it will hurt the people I love. Uh, again, I'm not, I don't know any of the circumstances other than just what I read in the news mm-hmm. about the latest issue, which is Matt Lauer. Yeah. Think of the fallout that's happening to his family. And, and I don't know about his parents, but imagine all the people that have surrounded that issue that are now saying, oh, I, I should have recognized it or, Mm-hmm. All those things that happen when the things are discovered. Yes. And it doesn't just destroy the person, it destroys lots of people around them. When you came to a realization that at the root of all this uh, was pride in you, um, how did that realization come? And what? how did you feel when the weight of the word, the ugly word, pride, it's my pride, became reality in your thinking, uh, how did that feel and how did how did you get to that realization? It feels really bad. Mm-hmm. And the way I got to the realization was it uh, wasn't like one morning I wake up and the lights flash and there it is. Mm-hmm. It was a process became how did I how did I get here in the first place? How did I ever allow myself to bring my family into this and how did I ever allow myself to have ever crossed the line in the first place? It's a process. So I think where you you slowly but surely come to the realization the reason I did it is because of my pride. Mm-hmm. But why else would a person uh, do that other than, well, more money, more recognition, more, more, more? And and now when you see that behavior and you see it in other people, you recognize it instantly, but you can't just walk up and say, boy, you're prideful. I mean, you know, <laughs> throw you out of the house. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But, but, but you can see it. Mm-hmm. You can see it. And then... And then when it does come to light, but, you know, like all the recent news articles of the people who, I mean, what would cause a United States senator, for crying out loud, to think he can cross the line? Yeah. In my opinion, it's got to be pride. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what uh, What should you do to counter it? Let, you know, you, 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 you had said one of the warning signs is violating your conscience, violating things that you know you shouldn't be doing. And we had already talked about 
unfortunately, a lot of people do a lot of really bad things and not even know that that's bad. And so that is kind of put uh, on the rest of us around people like that to as carefully and lovingly as we can point those things out because the person's heading down a wrong path. But once you come to the, uh, uh, you, you, you come through the various warning stages, uh, that you're full of yourself. Um, what should you do to counter that before, you know, before you run into the brick wall that you ran into? Here's the key. Change before you have to. Mm. People say, well, that's nice to say, but people deep in their soul, deep in their mind, no matter in their quiet conscience of the night, know that whatever they're doing is bad. If it's whatever it is, if it's from alcohol to, uh, to pornography to immorality, whatever it happens to be, mm-hmm. they deep in their soul know that something's got to change. Mm. And the point is you change before you have to change before you have to. I think this Ross, uh, if I say the name Ross or Rose, mm-hmm. you know, of, of the commentators and of the lead, latest yeah. uh, Charlie audience, Rose. Yeah. yeah, of the latest audience to fall, uh, he, he seems to, to have taken the heat off from himself by standing up and saying, I made a mistake and I'm sorry and I apologize and wish it hadn't happened, but it did, and I'm sorry. And mm-hmm. uh, So, obviously, the answer to your question is, what, what, what can people do so that this doesn't get a grip on them? Mm-hmm. And the answer is, stop. Just stop it. Mm-hmm. Stop it before you have to. That's a tough thing, and it's not the cute answer you want, but that's the truth. Mm-hmm. You say that uh, pride has many faces, at least in the release that I got to uh, um, interest me in contacting you. And I don't know if those are your words, but certainly uh, if uh, if they are or not, uh, it's true. Uh, what? Uh, if, well, first of all, did were you the one who was who coined that? Pride has many faces. I. I... I'm the one. I, I'm the one that said it. Yeah, I, okay. I don't, I'm sure it's been said by others. <laughs> okay, I yeah. say it. All right. So uh, describe that. What What do you mean by that? Well, pride can be your undoing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's good to have pride in your work, and mm-hmm. but pride in what you do—that's a good pride. Mm-hmm. But once once you cross that sin line of pride that says because I have more money because I have more prestige and I have more knowledge and I have a better education therefore I'm better than somebody else that's when that's when that insidious behavior starts mm-hmm. and it's almost an avalanche here's an example when I was in prison uh, my bunkie, a guy by, I, I nicknamed him Lump Lump, mm-hmm. was a Mexican-American, uh, the kind of a guy that on the outside, neither you or dozens of people I know would walk across the street 
to say hello, but yet I depended upon him to help me save my life. It was called an Indian room. Mm-hmm. Uh, I called the next door. It was an Indian in there, mm-hmm. uh, Eugene Charlie, and there was a fight, and he helped save my life. Oh. Now, those are the kind of people that my mother and your mother told us never to get around, but yet those are the very people that you depend upon to save your life. And I always said, to you saying, I'd say at meetings, I'd say, well, the best thing we can do for poor people is not be one of them. Mm. But, but when you are one of them, you think different, you feel different, you act different, and you are different. And, and, uh, it's just, just, it's just unavoidable. You get more money, you get more power, you get more prestige, and you see yourself as better than somebody else. Did, once you do that, you're in trouble. Did the did the redemption come in terms of your coming to the realization of the root? Uh, was was the redemption in prison, or did it come after your stay in prison? Well, what I said in in my book was rehabilitation is just another word the guards can't spell. (laughs) Um, Rehabilitation came, in my case, long before I ever got to prison Uh Uh, because I I was so full of, of remorse and redemption and how did I ever get here in the first place and how did I ever was so stupid to expose myself and my family to that kind of behavior. Well, the story is in the book From Pride to Prison, A Cautionary Tale, and my guest is Rand Robison. Uh, Rand, where where can people get the book? They can just go on Amazon.com or my website. They can just go on the website, www.arrobison.com. Okay. And go on Amazon and buy the book. Beautiful. It's a great book. I mean, it sounds like I'm but it's a great book. It's a good book. Everybody that reads it, I get a lot of people call and say, Rand, that's a great book. And that's not a, and, that's not a prideful statement, Rand, right? <laughs> could be. No. It could be. No. You know, it could be. <laughs> no. Thank you so much for talking to us. You're my pleasure, Tom, and thank you for visiting with you me. And Merry Christmas to you and your audience. Thank you. I'm Tom Muller, and this has been... Colorado Issues.